So this is it, the topic that blows up discussion boards, Facebook, Facebook groups on Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, what to eat, what to eat, what do I eat, do I do AIP, do I have to cut out gluten, do I have to give up my cheese? This is a big, big topic. It's a question I get asked all of the time and we are going to dive into it today. Some of the answers you might not like, some of them you might, some of them you might post a comment and battle with me on, that is okay. Lively discussions are welcome. I'm Amy Horneman, functional medicine practitioner, nutritionist, and specialist in treating thyroid conditions, broken metabolisms, and hormone imbalances. My goal for over 24 years has always been to help my patients get their life back. And that's what we're here to give you. We're giving you the simple, actionable strategies to actually fix your thyroid. That's why I created the Thyroid Fix Podcast. So if you're struggling with weight, energy, brain fog, and hair loss, then hey, you're in the right place. Let's get you fixed. So here is the thing, Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, whether you have Hashimoto's and you're autoimmune or you just have hypothyroidism, we are actually going to treat it the same. And I know some of you are like, but wait a minute, autoimmune, there are special diets for autoimmune, right? Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. There are certain things that we should, yes, do, whether you have Hashimoto's, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, um, give me another one, type one, um, psoriasis, of course, all autoimmune conditions kind of have that umbrella of things that you really probably should do to keep those soldiers at bay, to keep them from going out and attacking your body because they're just kind of confused. They like to go out and they like to attack parts of your body that are completely healthy, but they don't know that. Yes, there are certain things that we need to do diet-wise, nutrition-wise for autoimmune conditions, but today we are going to lump it all together because the bottom line is whether you have Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, your thyroid's not working, that controls your metabolism, you need to eat a certain way because there are things that go hand in hand that are correlated with hypothyroidism, like insulin resistance, high blood pressure, hypertension, high cholesterol, that you need to be aware of. You need to know your numbers and you need to eat a certain way. Now, first, let me say at the end of the day, it comes down to whatever diet is best for you. People will say, well, what should I do? What should I eat? What should I do? 
I say, whichever one is going to work for you. So let's personalize it. There's no diet book out there that can give you all the answers. There's no Facebook group. There's no podcast. There's no plan. There's nothing that you can buy into that without working with someone who knows you and your labs and your schedule and your likes and your dislikes and every single number of your labs, going back to your labs and your labs and your labs and your symptoms and your labs and you and your labs and your life and your labs. There is no cookie cutter plan out there. And honestly, if there were, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I'd be on a boat like in the Caribbean or on an island in Hawaii because I'd be a millionaire, a billionaire. Um, There's no magic pill and there's no one answer. We have to customize it for you. That's the bottom line. We have to customize it for you. So let's start with your laps. We know that with Hashimoto's, with hypothyroidism, we normally see insulin resistance. Now, if you're like, what is insulin resistance? You can go back and listen to that episode. So if you go to Apple Podcasts, I still call it iTunes. I know I'm old school. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts. I'm on Amazon Podcasts now. So look for the thyroid fix. And you can go back and listen to all of these. Educate yourself. Continue to educate yourself. It's going to make you a better patient advocate. So most of the time we see insulin resistance go hand in hand with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. It just is what it is. And when we're looking at your glucose, a glucose above an 86 puts you at a higher risk of insulin resistance. It means you are insulin resistant. But as that number goes up, you're creeping closer and closer into type 2 diabetes. What does this mean? It means you can't handle carbohydrates. Period. End of story. Yes, you can look at Susie Q over there who does not have insulin resistance and does not have hypothyroidism. And you can say, but Susie can eat an apple every single day. And Susie is juicing and she's doing apples and she's doing blueberries and she's doing her celery juice and she can do that every day and she's losing weight. But that's not you. So you have to think about what your body is doing, how it's responding when you're eating the foods that you're eating. So if you are eating a large amount of carbohydrates, even in its natural form, and you have Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, insulin resistance, that's not going to work for you. Why? Because that's going to push your insulin up. Now, most of the time we are dealing with a weight situation when we're talking about hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. The majority of people with a sluggish thyroid deal with weight gain or weight that they cannot lose no matter what they do. There's a small percentage that don't. They are blessed that they don't have that weight issue. They get the energy, they have the hair loss, all of that, but they don't have the weight issue. We'll get to the energy and the hair loss in a second. So with high insulin levels, you're always in a fat storage mode. So you keep your insulin high, like we talked about on the insulin resistant episode that you can re-listen to. You keep that insulin high. You're in a constant state of inflammation. You're in a constant state of fat storage. So not only are you going to downregulate your thyroid function, because it's going to be inflamed all the time. Your cells will be inflamed all the time. Your pain, your joints, everything will go up as well as fat storage will increase and your ability to burn fat is done. That's out the window completely. So keeping your insulin levels up, fastest way to age, fastest way to get diseased, fastest way to get fat, period. So when you have hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, and insulin resistance at the same time, or type 2 diabetes, we have to keep your carbs low, your carbohydrate intake low. 
So let's break down what is a carb. Cause I know a lot of you are like, all right, well, I'm not quite exactly sure. So carbohydrates can fall into two categories, the simple and the complex. Simple carbohydrates are your sugars, your quick sugars, you know, the white table sugar, um, breads, pastas, white breads, pastas, potatoes, sweet potatoes are kind of debatable. Many people call those a complex carbohydrate because of the fiber in it, but some people still react by getting high blood glucose with sweet potatoes. So we're not quite sure. Jury's out on that. So we'll put that over here in this category. Simple. Simple is quick. Think of simple being very quick, fast acting. Fruits are a very simple carbohydrate too. Some of them, yes, I know have more fiber, but they are still a very simple, quick carbohydrate. Your complex carbs are your, not that I'm saying to eat a lot of these, but are your, maybe your sweet potatoes because of the fiber content, legumes, beans, bran, think oats, barley, rye. Now those get into the gluten containing food. So we're just keep it between the lines thinking what is a carbohydrate. I'm not telling you what to eat. I'm saying, let's talk about the difference between simple and complex. Okay. So we have that down. Both simple and complex carbohydrates can spike blood sugar and insulin. So just because it is complex does not mean that you can eat it in mass quantities. It's still going to increase your glucose level. It's still going to increase your insulin. That's going to increase inflammation, downregulate your thyroid function, and cause weight gain. Now, when we're talking about energy, right, we're talking about having that, that sluggish brain fog that I can't focus, I can't concentrate, low energy of having hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, we also have to consider insulin. When you run a high insulin level through the day, you're going to get brain fog. The brain can only act on or use two different sources of fuel, glucose or ketones. So when you pump in a ton of glucose, when you're eating all those carbohydrates, the simple carbohydrates, the complex carbohydrates, you're insulin resistant, your body can't use it anyways. It's trying to use the glucose for fuel for your brain, but you're still struggling with that brain fog and that lack of concentration and low energy. Maybe it's time to switch over to a different source. Maybe for you, we do go low carb ketogenic to produce ketones to fuel the brain because ketones are actually the preferred fuel source for the brain. So when we do that, it's amazing how people's brains light up. They light up. They're able to focus. They're able to concentrate and energy gets better as well because you're not using that slow fuel, that glucose, that sluggish, the high insulin that gets in the way. You're not doing that. You're switching over to it's like you're a clean burner. Instead of being a sugar burner, you're a fat burner. So you're burning your own body fat for fuel and you're producing ketones that better fuel the brain. So this is where the low carb ketogenic diet comes into play. This is where you might not like my answer because many of you may have tried it and you may have done dirty keto, right? Where you're eating kind of like the old, like the Atkins on steroids, right? From the, what is it? The eighties, nineties, when was Atkins around that time? So that's when we were like, yes, we can eat all the bacon and cheese and pork rinds that we want. This is awesome. And people then were not feeling so great after a while. And it got a bad rap because people were saying, Hey, this might not be the most healthy choice in the entire world. Now that we have learned more, right? It's constantly evolving, always learning. Now we know, you know, there are good and bad fats. 
We've talked about bad fats in the past. Again, you can go back and watch or listen to that episode as well. But think about the bad fats as your your bacon and your bacon grease. And I'm not saying to avoid bacon, but the bacon grease and the canola oil and the corn oil and the safflower and the sunflower and the grapeseed. All of those that, that when you go out to eat and you get something fried is probably fried in canola oil or vegetable oil. Those are the bad fats, right? The bacon, the pork rinds, the bad cheese, the Velveeta cheese, the American cheeses. Now we've kind of moved into, in this next keto phase generation of 2020, we moved into using avocado, avocado oil, walnuts, almond flour, coconut, coconut oil, um, coconut flour, grass-fed meat, and good quality cheese. So I know you've been waiting for the cheese answer. Good quality cheese, like the Kerrygold cheddars, your raw cheddars, the good quality cheeses that are more digestible in your body. They don't cause as much inflammation and can actually be eaten with autoimmunity. So if you have Hashimoto's, if you have RA, you can have your RA and eat the cheese too. That's the bottom line, but you got to go with the good quality. So We're transitioning from days of old with Atkins into the new 2020 version of the ketogenic low-carb diet. Not not everyone can go keto right away. Sometimes we have to transition you into it. And not every one of my patients goes on a ketogenic diet. Sometimes we have to keep you just a lower carbohydrate intake to keep your insulin down but not go full keto. That's where it has to be personalized. But in general... In general, I'm going to say that the best nutrition plan for Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism is to go low carb because that has what it's worked for me. It's worked for my patients. And when we see insulin resistance and high inflammation, that's what's going to get it down. That is what is going to bring that inflammation down. Okay, so let's go midway, right? So let's say you have Hashimoto's, you have hypothyroidism, you do not have insulin resistance, and you're an athlete. Now we have to focus on, are you eating enough protein to fuel your muscles? Are you getting enough amino acids into your diet to give you that energy? Are you eating real food to give you that energy to fuel your muscles, to fuel your brain, to get you through strenuous workouts because you are playing a sport? or you are doing CrossFit, or you're working out at the gym, you're plugging away. So now we have to look at the fuel that you're putting in. And now we go maybe moderate carbs. So we go a little bit higher in your protein, we keep a focus on the good fats, all the good fats that I just talked about. And now we bring up your carbohydrates slightly, but we don't go into the simples. We don't start using the breads and the pastas and the potatoes. We stick with the sweet potatoes, we stick with some quinoa, maybe some jasmine rice. We do more vegetables, maybe the squashes like butternut squash and spaghetti squash. We focus on that to keep the carbohydrate intake a little bit higher. And then we focus on your protein being moderate to high as well. So we can find that happy medium. Again, it's all about individual personalization of what you're doing, but we can find that happy medium. Let's talk about gluten. So in general, that's one of those in general rules, right? So with any kind of autoimmune, we eliminate gluten. Now, what does that mean? Because there's so many things that are cross contaminants of gluten. 
there's a huge difference between having silly. We are not talking about having celiac disease. We are not talking about going gluten-free to where you have to start looking at your medications and the fillers in your supplements and what's in your ketchup. We are talking about in general, you want to avoid gluten containing foods. So that goes into the wheat, oats, rye, barley um, category that we have to take into account. We have to eliminate gluten spurs on an autoimmune attack. We know that. Now there's the camp over here, the debates about dairy, and we'll get to that in a moment. Like I said, good quality dairy, good, bad quality dairy, bad. Don't eat Velveeta. Don't buy anything from the deli that's just a bunch of slices. Don't buy the shredded cheese. Take five minutes and shred it yourself because of the fillers that are in the bag of shredded cheese. Gluten. In general, you have to remove gluten because gluten will spur on autoimmune attacks. So whenever we're talking about autoimmunity, we're talking about the little soldiers. A lot of you have heard this ad nauseum from me. You're going to hear it again. You have these little group of soldiers. They're going out. With Hashimoto's, they're beating up your thyroid, slowly destroying it, sometimes over decades, slowly destroying your thyroid. Our goal is to keep those soldiers in their barracks. Our goal is to keep those soldiers at bay so they don't go out and destroy your thyroid. Anytime you eat gluten, and this is a visual I like to give my patients so you can think about it when you do it. Anytime you eat gluten, it's like you're adding to your army. So it, maybe you had 100 soldiers before, and then you're eating gluten every day, and then it goes up to 150, and then it goes up to 200, and now you got 500 soldiers. So you're building your army, not a good army to build, and then you're opening up the floodgates. So there they go. They, you, you release them. They're beating the hell out of your thyroid. Thyroid function goes down. And then you go, why am I gaining weight? Why aren't I feeling better? It's because you're constantly doing things to destroy your thyroid on your own, despite the medication, despite the supplements that you're taking, despite this, despite that, you're eating gluten on a daily, weekly basis. You're opening the floodgates. Soldiers go out. They start destroying your thyroid. That's gluten. If it's RA, they're getting your joints. If it's Crohn's, they're destroying your gut and on and on. So in general, yes, we do follow that rule. That is a hard and fast rule. Not really highly debated because all functional medicine practitioners pretty much agree on that. You must avoid gluten. It's inflammatory. It spurs an autoimmune attack. That's the bottom line. Now, when it comes to dairy, when it comes to the nightshades, this is all we start. This is where we start disagreeing. This is where the the lively de debate comes in. Most practitioners agree that when it comes to dairy, if you stick to uh, fermented dairy, things like a really high quality fermented yogurt that has not been loaded with sugar, a high quality kefir that has not been loaded with sugar. Maybe you make it yourself. The hard cheeses, blue cheese, um, your, your, you know, again, raw cheddar, Kerrygold cheddar. Those cheeses are kind of higher on the list. They have lower lactose levels. They don't seem to, in most people, interfere with digestion and cause inflammation. Now, some people will still be sensitive to this. And this is where it comes down to just working with someone to figure out, hey, you might need to go dairy-free for a while just to see. But in general, most Hashimoto patients can get away with it. The AIP diet, autoimmune protocol, very, very, very strict. And I will be completely honest, I don't use it unless a patient is in a full autoimmune flare. I couldn't do it for more than a day. 
I don't know how people do it for long term unless they are very, very bad. If I was in an autoimmune flare, believe me, I could pull it off. I could be strict. That's not a problem. When I have to do something, I will. And I believe you're the same way. But if you're just kind of, you know, you're cruising along and you're doing okay and you just want to improve your diet a little bit, there's no need to torture yourself by doing AIP. There is no need whatsoever. I think that's overkill unless you are full-blown, can't get those antibodies under control, you're hypo to the point of wanting to jump off a cliff, then maybe we implement AIP. And then we get into the nightshades and all that. And then that gets a little bit sticky as to who needs to avoid it, who doesn't, depending on your histamine levels and all your other functional labs. That's where it comes to kind of the personalization. And that's why books don't work because you end up following a book and you're absolutely miserable. Carb cycling is another option. So some of you who are like, why did she say keto and low carb? We can carb cycle. So that's a really nice way and a really nice thing to do with athletes too, where maybe we do bring you into a ketogenic state for a couple of days and then we bring you back out and you're able to go through lower periods of carbohydrate intake and then periods of, of higher carbohydrate intake that really work well with your body. It also is kind of a mental thing for especially athletes during um, you know, post-heavy workout, post-game to refuel with a lot of carbs, and then we bring them back down into a ketogenic state, even for training. So we can do some carb cycling, some diet variation with you, but the bottom line is to find what's going to work for you. Use the hard and fast rules of going gluten-free. Use high-quality cheese. Don't do AIP unless you're in a full-blown autoimmune attack. Check your insulin. Check your blood sugar. Check your hemoglobin A1C. Check for nutrient deficiencies and check for that insulin resistance. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. If you have insulin resistance and it's paired up with Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, we have to go low-carb. We might even have to go into a ketogenic diet. So there is a great group out, you know, I'm always touting the benefits of the Attuned Thyroid Group. There's another fantastic group that Rory Marshall turned me on to. It's reversing diabetes. And their belief is, listen, it's 20 carbs or less, 20 carbs or less. Now, when I'm counting carbs, and Rory, you can correct me on this if you are listening or listen to this afterwards or anyone in that group, I always go by total carbs. I don't do the net carb game. I think that gets sticky. I think you can easily, because of marketing these days, when you're getting into the kind of low carb keto replacement foods, it's very easy to do 100, 100 carbs of total carbs if you're only counting the, the net, because then you'll be staying under 50 or 20 grams of net carbs, but your totals will be through the roof. And then that's not good for anybody either. So um, I like to go with total carbs versus net. And I like to keep total under 50 for most, under 20 for some. And I know that sounds extreme, but when you get into the personalization aspect, we can draw up something that is totally easy to follow. I promise you. Very, very easy to follow. And people have reversed their diabetes by dropping their carbohydrate intake and getting into, into ketosis, into a ketogenic state where their body switches over from being a sugar burner into being a very efficient fat burner. 
So your body only has one of two choices. It can burn sugar, it can burn fat. So if you are constantly, again, going back to pumping up your glucose, pumping up your insulin levels, keeping your insulin high, your body only has one choice is burn glucose, burn that glycogen that's in your muscles, burn those vats of glycogen that are stored up from all those simple and complex carbohydrates that you've been eating, fuel your brain with glucose that's like, meh, it's not that efficient. It works sometimes. Okay. Or you can switch over to being a fat burner where you're actually burning your own body fat for fuel. Your glycogen stores are low in the muscle. So because glycogen is low, your body taps into its own fat stores for fuel. It will use the good fat that you're eating for fuel. It will produce ketone bodies that will fuel your brain. And that will make you a more efficient fat burner as well. So again, do I put everybody, I don't want you to hear the word keto and freak out. No, not everybody needs to be on a ketogenic or a low carb diet. But for the majority of my patients, that is the case because of the dysregulated blood glucose that goes with it, because of the insulin that goes hand in, the insulin resistance that goes hand in hand with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. Okay, one last thing I want to cover. I want to talk about the replacement foods. So because we say gluten-free, it does not mean to go out and buy everything that has a gluten-free label or a keto label or a low-carb label or a two-gram-of-net-carb label. You still have to eat real foods. You can use the processed foods as a little bit of a crutch. Yes, they're excellent for, let's say you are really craving ice cream. Hey, Rebel, Enlighten, um, there's another one that just says keto across the front. That is great for your little ice cream fix. It's fantastic. If you are really, really craving bread and you don't feel like making a keto bread recipe on your own, yes, you can go out and buy some gluten-free bread. But if you use it every single day, that is where, air quote, gluten-free got a bad rap years ago. Everyone was saying it doesn't work. Because all they did was go out and buy the substitute. Okay, I want bread. I'm going to buy gluten-free bread. I want some pretzels. I'm going to buy gluten-free pretzels. Now I want cookies. I'm going to buy gluten-free cookies. I want cereal. I'm going to buy gluten-free cereal. And then they said, well, you know what? I'm not losing any weight and I still feel like garbage and I'm still inflamed and I still have pain. This gluten-free thing didn't work. No, it didn't because you still took in a ton of processed foods, a ton of sugar, potato starch, tapioca flour, maltodextrin, and you still created a bunch of inflammation and jacked your insulin up and you're still storing body fat like, like a cow. So yes, that did not work back in the day. Now we have learned let's use those gluten-free foods as just a little bit of a crutch just to get you through. Same thing with keto foods. Let's use those slim fast keto fat bombs once a week. Let's not use them every single day. How about you make your own? How about you look at a couple of recipes and make your own so you're not re relying on marketing techniques and processed foods to get you through. So we do want real foods, real foods, not processed foods, nothing artificial, no artificial sweeteners. And we want to keep your insulin levels low. So maybe you're the type that can go a little bit more moderate carb, athlete, a little bit higher protein for energy. And if you, hey, listen, if you're borderline type 2 diabetic, you need to drop them down. You might need to go into ketosis. You might need to just go low carb. But in general, that is the rule. And you might like it and you might not. 
but that is the rule in general. Now, what about if I look down there and I see a vegetarian or vegan question, I'm already, I'm not even going to look. I'm going to answer right now. Vegetarian, vegan. You can be vegan keto, by the way. So it's a little bit tougher, a little bit harder to do. Um, but I have had patients that have come over from the dark side of vegan and vegetarianism and they started going vegan keto and then they came on over to the meat side because they realized it's really, really difficult to do. Now they saw progress, but it's very difficult to do. I had one patient, I have to tell you this story. She came to me and she was full-blown vegan. And I said, well, you know what? We're going to, listen, I will work with you just because you're vegan. I'm not going to turn you. We'll work together slowly and we'll try it. And that's what I said to her. I said, let's try it. Right. That's all we can do is try. So we cleaned everything up. We optimized her thyroid. We got her on the right supplements. We balanced her insulin and we brought that down. And you know, the weight just wasn't budging. She had a personal trainer. She was working out every day. Just wasn't happening. Was not happening. So I said, okay, how about, what do you think about adding in some chicken? So we started with chicken. Then we went to a little bit of fish. Now she's on grass-fed meat. Now she is no longer vegan whatsoever. She is full-blown paleo slash keto. And I think she's down. I don't even know the last time we, I, I think she hit a hundred pounds lost. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I think we're about at a hundred now where it just wasn't happening with the vegan and the vegetarianism. So we can try that. Yes, we can try it. And we can even try vegan keto, but we may need to push you over into some more amino acids, some more proteins, because the lack of will just keep you in that constant fat storage mode. Your muscles will deflate. You won't be able to build. Um, there's just some things that are missing when you're not getting the proper amount of amino acids in from real whole food sources and you're relying on a higher carbohydrate intake because that's kind of really all you have left with vegan and vegetarianism. Now, don't send me any hate messages. I'm just telling it like I see it. Calling balls and strikes here. 24 years of doing this. This is what I see. Okay, so let's summarize. So we want to keep insulin levels low. Check your insulin, check your hemoglobin A1C, check that glucose. Test your glucose throughout the day. If you want to go a little bit higher carb, get a glucometer. They're $10 at Walmart. And test your glucose throughout the day to see if you're spiking above 120 after you eat. If you are, that's not a food for you. You want some quinoa? Test after that. You want a sweet potato? Test after that. If you're spiking high, that's not a food for you. You want your apple like Susie Q in the beginning? Maybe you got to test after that because if you're 10 pounds heavier at the end of the week after eating an apple a day because you just have to have your fruit, that's a sign that it's not working for you. Test insulin, A1C, glucose. Okay, so let's check that out. Now you start to play around. So if your issue is weight, weight gain, you can't lose weight, you start to bring down your carbohydrates a little bit. You start playing around with some keto recipes, the good ones. And really keto and paleo, hey, listen, there's nothing artificial. We're not using Splenda. We're not using Sweet and Low. We're not using Aspartame. We're really not using boxed foods, even though the food manufacturing industry has jumped on board with fantastic marketing. We're not using boxed foods. We're using real foods. We're not using bad dairy. You can steer away from the 
the recipes that call for a block of cream cheese. Use that good quality cheese like we talked about. Don't do AIP because it's going to drive you crazy and you're going to go off the wagon and be eating 12 donuts in, I don't know, four days if you do AIP. If you're losing your hair and you're in full-blown hypo, yeah, you can pull off AIP. But if there's not a real reason to do it, if you don't have a good reason to do anything, you're not going to stick with it. So let's ease into this and make your life easier rather than harder. Check your insulin, check your blood sugar, check your A1C, test out dropping your carbs a little bit. Use real foods, eliminate gluten, eliminate foods that cross-contaminate with gluten or cross-react rather, cross-contaminates more for the celiac, cross-react with gluten to cause an autoimmune flare, to cause those soldiers to go out and beat up your thyroid. So things like oats, wheat, barley, rye, get them out, but you can still have your cheese. And that's really the bottom line you know what? That should be the title of this. You can still have your cheese because then people are going to listen to this. You can still have your cheese. I hope this helped cut through some of the confusion. Obviously, there's going to be more. There's always going to be this ongoing discussion. I see it in the discussion boards. I see it in the Facebook groups. What should I eat? What diet's best for Hashi? What should I eat? What diet's best for Hashi? And again, I could write a book. I could write a book but it's not going to pertain to just you as a person. It has to be individualized. It has to be built out for you. So that's what I do with my patients. When I work one-on-one with you, I build out a personalized plan. We tie it to you, your symptoms, your labs. That's the way it has to be. Diet books are great for general guidance. You can get some great recipes in them. But in general, you have to you have to tie the way that you eat and your day-to-day nutrition plan to you as a person. Thank you so much for listening to the Thyroid Fix podcast. Please share this and any episode that you absolutely love on your social media platforms. And please give me a review. It is so appreciated. It just gets the message out even more. Now... As a disclaimer, we know that this is just intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to treat or diagnose any medical condition. You can always consult your healthcare professional with any questions. If you want to reach out to me, you can go to my website at amyhorneman.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Amy Horneman Nutrition. And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel to see live videos and all the good stuff that I put out through the week in addition to this podcast. Just search me on YouTube and subscribe to my channel.